Listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. It's a brand new episode of Podcasters of S.H.I.E.L.D., Cinema Geekly's Marvel podcast. It is Anthony and Aurora, and we are back to talk season one of What If on Disney+. Plus. I think there may have been some sort of, at least in my mind, there was like a, should we do podcasts for, like, how much does this actually tie in to... Mm what's been happening with the movies and the TV shows recently. Uh, but the answer is all, all of it. It all, it all ties in, <laughs> even though this is animated. Uh, yep. One dead giveaway is if you get the MCU lo- like the MCU like logo sequence at the beginning, it's part of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, so once you get that at the beginning, it's, it's part of it. But clearly this takes place directly after the events of Loki. Once the timeline has been split into mm-hmm. uh, an infinite, multitude of multiverses and there are 10 episodes for this season but there will be a second season of this show already and every episode we are kind of introduced to what's happening by a character named the watcher mm-hmm. who i think is voiced by jeffrey wright and uh he in fact, actually, I think what the Watchers were in... The, you can see the Watchers in one of the post-credit scenes for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I think it was I the, so, yeah. the mm-hmm. Stan Lee cameo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Watchers are like this ancient race of beings that... It's in their name. Uh, they are tasked with chronicling everything. So they watch everything. They're kind of like the historians of the universe. And now that there is this multiverse they're they're doing that too they're they're all over the place keeping an eye on on all the multiverses and everything that's happening in them and every episode is going to take a look at i don't i think it's i'm guessing it's different a different universe every episode i don't think these are all coming from one specific new branch of the timeline right right so these are kind of coming from all over the place, but every episode will be a, what if this happened? And I think, uh, based off of some light spoilers, cause I don't know what's happening when and where, but just based off of some things that have been shown in trailers and, and other things, uh, from early reviews, it sounds like at some point, these stories that all seem like they are separate will come together in some form or fashion. So these are not all separate individual stories 
that exist on their own. They, they are, but at some point, some of these characters are going to start running into one of an, uh, one another. Uh, like we, we, like we will see Captain Carter or Captain Britain or whatever you want to um, call the the Peggy Carter character. Like she will appear again. Uh, T'Challa, Star Lord, we we will see him again because there's some footage from other in fact there is um in one of the trailers there appears to be like a a recreation of the original avengers camera pan around our heroes or whatever from the first avengers movie but it's a bunch of characters from it looks like different multiverses um that have been gathered and there's this prevailing thought that um because at the end of the first episode the watcher is very specifically talking about like uh, like we can't do anything like we can't interfere, mm-hmm. but it sounds like something will happen that will make him interfere. Like I presume he is the person or force that brings some of these, um, these characters together for something. It sounds like something like that is going to happen, but it's a little too early to tell. There's, there's still eight episodes to go and we're going to be covering the first Two. So let's begin with episode season one, episode one. What if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? So during World War Two, Steve Rogers is, of course, we all remember, chosen to become the world's first super soldier, but is wounded by a Hydra spy before he can receive the super soldier serum. SSR agent Peggy Carter kills the spy and volunteers to receive the serum herself. She is, of course, successfully enhanced, but banned from combat by SSR leader John Flynn after, uh, but after she decides to go out on her own and takes the Tesseract from Hydra with a vibranium shield created by inventor Howard Stark, Flynn reluctantly promotes her to the combat role of Captain Carter. After Stark uses the Tesseract to create a weaponized armored suit for Steve Rogers to pilot as the Hydra Stomper, Carter and Rogers uh, fight many battles until he goes missing while attacking a Hydra train. Carter and her allies find Rogers when they infiltrate a Hydra base and see Red Skull using the Tesseract to open a portal to summon an interdimensional creature of some sort, which Carter, uh, well, he's Hydra, uh, Hydra's leader, Red Skull, is killed by his own monster. And then it is up to Captain Carter to dispose of this beast, which um, she does by pushing it back through the portal from whence it came. But that involved her going back through the portal with it. And then we get a bit of a flash forward to almost 70 years later, the Tesseract opens another portal from which she emerges on the other side and meets Nick Fury and Clint Barton, AKA Hawkeye. And at what appears to be what, like the beginning of the first Avengers movie, Uh, I think is where all of that happens. So thoughts on episode one. I just want to say that this is my captain. No, (laughs) she was awesome, right? (laughs) I don't care about any other captains. Oh, wow. Sam Wilson has tears running down his face right now. He's a good Captain America, Aurora. He is. He is. But listen, this was amazing. (laughs) It was really cool. It was amazing. And Mm -hmm. I, I loved all the action sequences, an animated uh, show, all the action sequences were amazing. Oh, yeah. I love the animation style of this show. Oh, it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's so good. 
um I really liked it. I, I liked um all the kind of like references to oh, you know, she's a woman, she cannot be the you know, first line of combat and like yeah. all this, you know, sexist remarks and she would just like Stumped, stump each one of them. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. I, for being the first episode of this show, I think it was spot on. Yeah. So this follows a lot of the story elements of the first Captain America film. Yep. Uh, I mean, this was different. I mean, it's. I mean, there are some flaws to these things because they tried to uh, kind of squish the story of a two hour movie down to 30 minutes or 40 minutes or whatever. Um, so that's difficult, but there were so many little call, by the way, I like that. They did not shy away from doing like big muscly Peggy Carter. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Loved it. Howard Stark's like, you don't need the heels. Now (laughs) she was like (laughs) three feet taller than him. Yeah. Um, and then she, they, she, they, Put her next to skinny Steve Rogers. Oh, the little <laughs> Steve <amazing>. Rogers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so things I things I loved. I loved that they still they found a new way to keep the romance between. Like I love this idea that those two are just destined to be together. It doesn't matter the mm-hmm. universe. Like they still fall for each other. It doesn't matter that she's like big McLarge, huge Peggy Carter, and he's scrawny, tiny little mouse Steve Rogers. Right. Like they still mm-hmm. fall for each other. Uh, I loved the, there was, there was one callback that wasn't a callback to the Captain America movie, but it was a callback to Captain America where Peggy is punching the punching bag and then punches it off the hooks like mm-hmm. Cap did in the first Avengers movie. But yep. I also really liked some of the direct shot for shot recreations from the first uh, Captain America movie just juxtaposed with Peggy, like everything from her getting the, the super soldier serum with like the up close on her face where her eyes like just like pop open, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. same exact shot for shot from the Captain America movie. The moment where she bursts through the door with a howling commando shooting at people shot for shot recreation from the first Captain America movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I loved, I loved all of that stuff, but the, uh, the th- I think the sequence I love the most was after Steve got the Hydra Stomper suit, and it's just like those two flying through the air. Oh, that was amazing. That was yeah. so much fun. And also, I'm like, this cartoon is not very kid-friendly. She is just killing guys left and right. Yeah. With uh, a smile on her face. <laughs> yeah. Like, we. this is so listen, much fun. Like, she listen, took a... I it, mean, is, th- it is fun to kill Nazis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, they're, they're, they're Nazis. So I guess when they're you, like, Nazis. rip one out of a plane and just throw them, like, <laughs> yay, this is <Yeah>. fun. <laughs> uh, but, oh, the... And, and one thing that is noted in here, a lot of the people returned to do voices not everybody yes yes but a lot of people did like i don't think chris evans was voicing steve rogers in this um they get they get some voice doubles i guess essentially and i some of it i think is availability some of it is contract related stuff where some of these people couldn't appear um for some people like a dave bautista he's like they didn't even ask me if I wanted mm-hmm, to. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
but there are ways to sort of make the head cannon work because if you're thinking about a multiverse or whatever, you, like there's a good chance we're going to be dealing with the Spider-Man movie where we see three different Peter Parkers who are played by three different actors. Uh, and if that can exist in the multiverse, then there can be a Steve Rogers that doesn't exactly sound like Steve Rogers, but kind of right. does. Or a Drax the Destroyer that kind of sounds like Drax, but not exactly. You can literally explain anything with the multiverse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it literally, it's a it's like the sonic screwdriver in Doctor Who. It just does whatever you need it to do. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's whatever it needs to be for that moment. So that sort of stuff to work. But obviously they did. Um, the, the voice of, of Peggy Carter is here. Dominic Cooper is back playing Howard Stark. Um I think they got the guy who they didn't get. Um, oh God, I'm blanking on his name, but who played Red Skull in the original Captain America? They didn't get him, but I think they got the guy who did his voice for Infinity War and Endgame. Mm. I think instead, I think was doing um, the Red Skull voice here, but all of that was done. Like the voice doubles were really close, like close enough where you're like, yeah, yeah, I buy it or whatever. Right. Um, I really enjoyed that everything boiled down again, everything boiled down to the, the dance, like a lot of talking mm-hmm. about dancing. Steve Rogers says that he isn't a very good dancer. They almost kiss, but then they don't. And then they get split up through time and space again. And now she's the one who's like, you know, we'll make a date for our dance or whatever. Right, um, right. always ending tragically like that. Uh, I really enjoyed, I thought this was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I wasn't blown away like the first episode of Loki or WandaVision. Right, or, right. Or even Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but this was fun. And then there's obviously this talk that we may actually see live action Captain Carter in the Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness movie. And oh yes. man, I'm so excited for that. <laughs> uh, any other thoughts on episode one, Aurora? And uh, what would you give it? No, I agree with you. I, I I had a little fun watching it. It wasn't as what as watching like the first episode of Loki, mm-hmm. but it was a little fun. So I'm, I'm going to give it a four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I went with a three and a half for this episode. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I was waiting to see if we would get better, though, going mm-hmm. forward. It was fun. I'm like, okay, fun is good, but are we going to get like really good going forward? Right. And... Then we got, or no, well, I guess we didn't get it right after, but the next week we got episode two. What if mm-hmm. T'Challa became a Star-Lord? Uh, the quick answer to that is everything is apparently better, Aurora. Like, yes. much better. Like, no offense to Peter Quill, but things get way better uh, if he's not amazing. Star-Lord. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> So, in 1988, the Ravagers are sent to Earth by the Celestial Ego to retrieve his son, Peter Quill. But, in this timeline, where things veer off, Yondu basically, like, he instead of doing it himself, Yondu tells Kraglin and Taserface to go mm-hmm. pick up Peter Quill. And they're idiots. And they mistake the Vibranium signature for Peter's celestial energy signature or whatever. And they abduct a young T'Challa from Wakanda. Now, you have to kind of explain away 
the fact that they recognize immediately that they picked up the wrong kid and then just keep him anyway. Mm-hmm. So if you forget about that, which is kind of a big <laughs> hurdle, but if you forget about that fact, 20 years later, T'Challa has become the famous intergalactic mercenary Star-Lord and mm-hmm. has been convinced by a Ravager leader, Yandu Udanta, that Wakanda was destroyed. Maybe that's why he stuck with them. Right. Nebula approaches the Ravagers and proposes to steal the Embers of Genesis, a cosmic artifact capable of eradicating galactic hunger from galactic kingpin Tanelir Tivan, a.k.a. the Collector. Uh, So at Tivan's headquarters on Nowhere, they offer him the Power Stone as a distraction while T'Challa looks for the embers, but he finds a Wakandan spacecraft that was searching for him. Nebula seemingly betrays the Ravagers who were captured, but... This is another ruse to obtain the embers. Tavan's slave, Karina, rescues T'Challa and helps the Ravagers defeat Tavan. T'Challa forgives uh, Yandu for lying about Wakanda, and they return there so that T'Challa can reunite with his family. Elsewhere, at a lonely Dairy Queen, a janitor by the name of Peter Quill, who is sweeping up for the night, is approached by Ego uh, to... I guess, uh, finally introduce him to, uh, his long lost father. Aurora, this description is masking over a lot of important things. Yes. Uh, so we should establish first that like right away, uh, cause we get that scene on Morag where star Lord is looking for the power stone. And mm-hmm. then he's inter- then he's uh, interrupted um, by the, you know, oh God, I can't remember his name now all of a sudden. Like I had it in my brain and I'm trying to remember all these other things like Morag and Yandu. And then this poor fellow's name completely disappeared. I don't remember. But yeah. he's the, but you know, he's the guy who's like, you know, he's like who to Star-Lord mm-hmm. in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, but in this movie, he's like, oh my God, it's Star-Lord. <laughs> and he's like the biggest Star-Lord fanboy. Yeah. Like, he knows all about him, like all of his missions. And T'Challa does kind of like rob banks and stuff, but he's more like a Robin Hood. A Robin Hood, yeah. Yeah, like he wants the Power Stone, but so he can reignite a star for a planet, like for a planet right. that's dying. Mm-hmm. Like he's the goodest of good guys. His His Star-Lord is more altruistic. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) there is a moment. So at the beginning, there's credit opening credits and the voice cast for the episode is kind of whizzed by and I'm starting it and we're watching the opening credits and I see Josh Brolin's name and I'm like, holy (laughs) shit, Thanos is in this episode. (laughs) This is going to be awesome. I had no idea what to expect. There is a moment where we then hear the voice of Thanos and then when we cut to it, it's Thanos, but Thanos is in a Ravager outfit. Yep. And he's good. He's yes. a good guy. Yep. And it's because T'Challa basically talked him out of his crazy plan, convinced him <laughs> it was crazy. 
and like use Although your powers he, he for good. He still thinks he still thinks it's a good plan. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. He still thinks it's a good plan, but maybe like there's another way to go about it. And everybody, everybody's like, it sounds like genocide, and he's like, yeah, but I mean, it's kind of good. Yeah. Like I still think it could work, uh, but he basically talked him out of it. So, uh, and this has wide-ranging effects. Uh, the collector is now the power in the galaxy uh, because of yeah. all everything that he's collected, and uh, Thanos's children like Cole Obsidian and Proxima Midnight and Corvus Glaive, all like all those guys from Infinity War and Endgame, they now work for uh, the collector instead. And uh, while we don't see Gamora, we do see the other results of this, which is a less cruel. An angry Thanos means we see Gamora before she was ever ripped apart. Nebula. Nebula, Nebula that's right. We see yes. Nebula mm-hmm. before she was ever ripped apart by Thanos. Like, she's got this long blonde hair, mm-hmm. and, like, pretty much all of her face is, like, it's it's all there. It's not, she's not, like, a robot or right. part, like, cyborg or whatever. She's fully like what she would have looked like before. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is so cool. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. Uh, and obviously this is Chadwick Boseman's final, literally his final performance in, in, in anything, oh. all of his other film roles have been released. So this is technically his last, uh, credit. Although this was obviously voice recorded some time ago. Um, this is his last performance, but, I I feel like it's just one of those happy accidents that this is his last performance and it's about how if he was Star-Lord like everything is just great. Like yeah, the universe and, and, is a better place. And the fact that he, you know, he went out to the universe to make things better. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the episode, he comes back home. Like that's just yep. the whole thing is just so symbolic. It's so and great. Yep. I I was crying the whole episode. Like as soon as I heard his voice, I was like, "Oh God, okay, here mm-hmm. we go." Yep. Um, <laughs> this is gonna be tough. <laughs> this is gonna be tough. Um, and it was just uh, like you said, like, it's mm-hmm. the fact that that this is just the last thing he did. Yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah, amazing. I mean, we got to see like a happy Drax the Destroyer, who's now just a bartender, like <laughs> right. living a happy life. Because again, because he stopped Thanos, like there was no Thanos to go invade Drax's planet. Like his family is still alive. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yep. His wife and his daughter are still alive. Like, oh, like so many of those things are just great, you know. And it's one of those things where you think about like a multiverse the concept of a multiverse you're thinking like oh like everything has to be worse than our universe and it's like no like in some instances things are going to be better than they are here and i like that i like that this was you know things got better although obviously the end teases something much more sinister so peter quill the end teases that peter quill never got picked up he lived his right. whole life on Earth, he's working, you know, a pretty low-level job. And all of a sudden, his celestial godlike father shows up at the end to recruit him. And it, this is a, you know, the things that were pulling Peter back, grounding him in that second Guardians of the Galaxy movie were the family that he made. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the big life that he, 
you know, lived like all of this stuff, but this Peter doesn't have any of those things in it. You get this sense that he would just become completely like he would become like ego and there would be two of them. And then that would be very bad for everything very else. Bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a nice sinister ending to this very happy otherwise episode. Like things turned out great, except for this one thing, which could maybe signify the end of that universe. Uh, it could be really bad. <laughs> Um, but, uh, otherwise, and I love the, 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 whatever it was they were going after the, the, the MacGuffin for this episode, like it, it just like when it's unleashed, it just spawns plant life everywhere. And I really loved the, there's this great shot afterwards of them, like trying to get away from nowhere as fast as they can, because the plant thingy is just growing everywhere but like the floating skull in space that looked kind of like a chia pet now uh i really like that i thought that looked really cool uh yeah there's a lot to love in this episode um yeah can we talk about the fact that howard the duck is in this (laughs) oh is he ever uh he says the i don't even remember the line now but he says the line there's this famous or infamous line from the howard the duck movie about like once you go duck or something. I don't remember what oh, it is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, for- but, I forgot what he said, but yeah. But they drop the line in here and Star-Lord's like, nobody says that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, they we got Howard the Duck voiced by Seth Green, who I think yep. voiced him in the uh, his previous cameo or whatever in uh, Guardians. So that was, that was fun. They got Astro just, the space dog. Just- Yes, it, it was just surreal to me to see uh, T'Challa talking to Howard <laughs> the Duck. Duck. It was just weird. I was like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is the sort of fun, though, that you can have with these types of shows. And, like, I'll, I'll admit, this is... There's a part of me that would prefer this be live action. Mm-hmm. Because I just... I get that sense of visual symmetry that I like because everything else is live action. But I, you know, but I also know like in my heart of hearts that some of that is just not possible. Right. Um, and for some of these episodes, the money they'd need to spend to like these episodes would be so expensive if they weren't animated because you know, that's the thing that animation does is it's a, it's cheaper and you can do way more in it. You can do anything, essentially. And yeah, uh, so there is like that tiny roadblock. But for the most part, I really enjoy it. Um, any any other thoughts on episode two of What If? And what would you give it? I I love this episode so 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 much. Me too. Um, I I give it a five. It was. Ooh. It was. A masterpiece Look for at me. That I went four and a half. I really like this was, episode. For me, it was perfection. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. These, this, I mean, both were. Well, the first one was good. This one was really good, and yeah. I'm very excited for what we've got next. And we've only got like bits and pieces and hints of yeah, what we I, might I see. I don't know how they're gonna top this one. <laughs> right. I mean, I and. With like eight episodes left, I'm not even sure what all 
I feel like there's going to be all sorts of things. Uh, and to expect the unexpected when it comes to this show, because that's part of the fun of it. So I'm very excited. Although, uh, unlike some of the other shows we cover, if you've listened to this podcast before, you've listened to us talking about the Disney Plus shows, you know uh, that we have no idea what's next because they don't tell us. I have no idea what the next episode is. I don't know what it's about. Um, I, I know bits and pieces. I know there's a, maybe we're going to get the episode where Tony Stark is saved by uh, Killmonger. Um, but I, cause I've seen clips from that one cause it's been in the trailers, but I, like there's an episode, I think there's an episode where Spider-Man becomes the Sorcerer Supreme or something. Uh, I know there's the Dr. Strange episode, I don't know what we're getting and when we're getting it though. So I'm just excited for more though, because I'm, I'm loving the concept and I'm having a lot of fun with these episodes. Yeah, It's really cool. Uh, okay. So in the meantime, everybody, you can head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of the show. Of course, this is a listener supported podcast and there are a couple of ways that you can support us. One is our Patreon, patreon.com slash cinema geekly. And the other one is uh, the merch store geekly merch. Dot com Links for both in the show notes for this episode. Of course, you can also find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for Podcasters of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hit subscribe, and that way you can come back next time to hear us talk about a brand new episode of What If on Disney+. Plus. Disney+.